0: Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville. Fiber Internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. And from Integrity First Insurance, provider of Erie Insurance for all your auto, home, life, and business insurance needs. More information at 812-269-8897 or integrityfirstinsuranceservices.com.
1: Welcome to Noon Edition on WFIU. I'm your host, Bob Zaltzberg, along with co-host Sarah Whitmire, the News Bureau Chief of WFIU and WTIU. Today we're going to talk about the 2022 Bloomington City budget and the process that led to its adoption. Several council members called this year's budget process grueling, bumpy, unprecedented, and we're going to talk with them and with Mayor John Hamilton about that process and about what's in the budget. So we have the our four guests with us. As I said, Mayor John Hamilton is with us today. And so are three city council members, Susan Sandberg, council member at large, Sue Scambelluri, the council vice president and the representative from district two and council president Jim Sims, who's also an at large representative. If you have questions about the budget, Or comments for us. You can find us on Twitter at Noon Edition. Send us your questions there. You can also send us questions to news at Indiana Public I want to turn to the mayor first. Mayor John John Hamilton, the budget process was it bumpy and grueling and unprecedented in your view?
2: Well, I I was listening to those adjectives, Bob. It's nice to be with you uh, and Sarah and and fellow. City city employees, the three council members, nice to be with you all. I, I don't know if it was unprecedented. Uh, I don't think it was, I wouldn't use the word grueling. Um, the process is long. It, you know, it's six months, seven months long. And uh, it's very detailed. I think we probably have the most um, detailed and kind of extensive city budget process in the state. I, I, I think that's probably true. So it is long, um, and, and there are certainly different views. There are nine different council members, and they have different views, and, and we, we put a very complicated budget together, but I'm very pleased with the result. I think we have an excellent 2022 budget and uh, happy to talk about kind of what's in it. But, um, you know, we, we ended up with a unanimous vote and a really good budget, so I'm very happy. I think it's good for the city going forward. We'll talk about that here
1: in just a second. I do want to ask uh, Susan Sandberg first, because Susan, I think you're, um, compared to Jim and Sue, you've been on the council the longest, so how did this process compare to previous ones?
3: Well, certainly, I would say that it's unprecedented. Again, I've served since 2007, and for the most part, we all agree that budgets are complicated, Uh, The management of a city is complicated. We have a lot of moving parts that need to be attended to, and that requires funding and balance and all of that good stuff. And for the most part, budgets are agreed upon early on with, you know, our budget advance meetings and department heads that uh, we have a lot of trust in that they they have the skill sets and the ability to manage their different departments. So generally, there's not a lot of conflict that we did see this year Um, So I would say there were conflicts involved in this year's budget, but I don't necessarily view that as a negative. Um, That can be very healthy uh, to have differences and to uh, air those differences, bring those to the table and extend the budget talks as needed. So all in all, I agree that uh, it's behind us now and we move forward.
1: Sue, I want to ask you the same question. Then I'm going to ask Jim the same question. But from your perspective, I guess you can just give me a um your viewpoint of how the process went this year and how are you pleased with the outcome?
4: Yes. Um, thank you, Bob. Thank you for having me too. Um I'm very pleased with the outcome. Um, like John, I would not necessarily use the term grueling. Um, that word to me conjures up the notion that we're doing something we don't want to be doing. And I think a robust discussion and a, a, a robust give and take is exactly what we want during budget season. So, um, so I think it was robust and I think it was productive. Um, and I, what I appreciated about this particular process is I, I think it also urged us to think more creatively. Um, we have the added resource this year of ARPA dollars, American Rescue Plan dollars um, that could figure into our work. And we also were able just to think about other kinds of projects we wanted to work on. And I think um, having a more robust exchange actually urged us to also think more creatively. Uh, And that's how we came up with the notion of bonuses, for example, for sworn officers uh, quarterly through the end of 22, but then a base increase starting in 2023. So I'm actually very pleased with the outcome and I appreciate what all my colleagues have done. I appreciate what the mayor has done too, to work with us.
1: All right, Jim, give you, uh, your, your chance at just giving us an overview. Oh,
5: thank you. Um, uh, like my colleagues, um, and the mayor, I'm not so sure I'd use the term grueling, um, or that adjective, um, bumpy. I wouldn't argue against that term. <laughs> um, one of the things is we have nine members on this council, as you all know, and that means nine in many cases, nine different, um, diverse ideas and desires. Um, uh, many of them based on what they think uh, their constituencies want. And, and of course, we all have a little bit of agendas on some of the things we think that will make this city better. Um, this is my fifth budget um, since the uh, first one since 2017, or my first one was in 2017. And to describe Bumpy, oh, first of all, to take a, a phrase from my um, colleague, Can- Council Member Scambolari. There is a bunch of, was and is a bunch of give and take on both sides. So that may give the impression of, of super bumpiness, um, but it's just part of the process as far as um, we see it. And the last thing, being the council president, I really wanna say that I could not be prouder um, of my council colleagues um, and the mayor's and his administration for us to get a unanimous approval on the 2022 budget. Um, a couple of weeks ago, as you know, we weren't there um, and it looked like a very different outcome, a potential outcome. But again, we worked it out. We're doing what's best for the city. And again, I am proud of my colleagues and um, the city administration.
1: Probably way more information than you want to know and that I should even uh give up but we in the newsroom there were four or five of us talking about the city budget on wednesday and what kind of how what we thought the vote was going to be and i think the consensus was that the council would pass the budget but i don't think any of us saw it as a uh, unanimous vote to be honest just from an observer standpoint you know i've been observing city budgets for many years um and i'm not you know never been on the council never been watched the sausage being made exactly but i've I can say that I've never seen a process quite like this when the council was essentially threatening to not pass the mayor's budget. So from that standpoint, it might not have been grueling, but I think it was a little bumpier than usual. Mayor Hamilton, um, I know you know you said you're pleased with what came out of it. What pleases you? I mean, what 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 do you think are the key
2: parts of this budget that the the uh, citizens of Bloomington should be proud of? Well, thank you, Bob, for that. Um, and, and you know, it's it's worth giving the context. To, it's a little technical, but under Indiana law, um, as I think everybody on this panel knows, but not everybody out, out in the community knows, the, the council, it's not like Congress or, or the state house where a budget is really developed through the legislative process and with amendments and changes and tweaking here and there and revenues and expenses uh, balanced through a legislative process under indiana law the mayor has to bring a balanced budget and the council cannot do a lot of things to it they can they can vote it up they can vote it down they can vote to cut investments uh dollar amounts but so it's a, it's a pretty constrained process in some ways but i think in bloomington we we get a lot of dialogue we get a lot of collaboration on it and we've got to Great results. So, so the things I'm most, I think, are most important for the community. Um, we're really taking care of our people, our employees, who are the most important resource. They're they got a good cost of living ingress adjustment. They got a pandemic award paid for by the federal money. We're introducing our very first paid family leave program next year, which is something we've been interested in. The financial backbone of the budget is very strong. Our tax levies went up higher, uh, this is a state-determined amount, higher than they have in 15 years, showing a nice, healthy economy growth. Our assessed value went up 5% in one year. That's a big deal. We added, I think, in terms of kind of the substantive areas, we have major investments in public safety going on. um, 16 new positions funded, uh, both in police and fire, uh, a bunch of other things in public safety we can get into. And then the second area uh, is recover forward, as we call it, which is really the transformative investments as Council Member Scambaluri mentioned, the American Rescue Plan Act gave us about $10 million this year. And if you think about 107 or 170 million, if you total it all up, the $10 million of federal money uh, that we're putting in 2022 is, is hugely important, helps us invest in Uh, sustainability and inclusion and particularly in housing affordable housing and green jobs and some of these phrases that you hear about arguing at the federal level we're really marching ahead uh, very actively at the local level with you know affordable housing and with green jobs and with with um, uh, arts and local foods and uh, the last thing I'll say is everybody's been on on uh, council for a little while we've had a number of years of very serious planning that has gone on we've got a bunch of plans that we've worked over the last four or five years to get into place and a lot of what we're doing now is implementing those plans whether it's a comprehensive plan in the zoning whether it's climate action plan sustainability plan (laughs) transportation plan uh uh we can keep the parks plan so there's A lot of this is kind of moving forward with really important uh, basic stuff for the city.
4: And I want to go over to you because one of the things that the council and the mayor um, originally disagreed on was the idea of police pay. So and you've been um, one of the most outspoken counselors about this. So if you can explain sort of the problem and then ultimately the process of what ended up in the budget. I'm sorry, did you address
3: that to me? Yes, that'd be great if you could take it. Well, um, certainly the urgency is what I have felt um, as I have examined some of the issues with the BPD over a number of years, not just this year, but just watching the emergence of our staff shortages. And so for me, in, in trying to get this budget adjusted to where I felt comfortable with it was a matter of balancing the priorities. I'm a firm believer in police reforming, um, changing the way things are done. The uh, Bloomington Police Department has been far ahead of the curve with respect to adding resource officers and community specialists and our social work team. We're very, very proud of that. We've had a lot of success with that early on and we want to continue to grow that program. But for many of us, we saw the very, um, I think it's dramatic, loss of police officers to other jurisdictions as something that needed a lot more attention than it was given when the budget was first rolled out. So again, I'm very grateful that we have come to some um, uh, agreement on that that is a priority um, that um, sworn officers need to be paid attention to. And uh, that, that was my biggest issue going forward is making sure sworn officers were well-regarded uh, with respect to compensation, but it's more than just the finances, too. It's also community acceptance that we do have a solid police department. Chief dekoff is an amazing chief. We're very fortunate to have him and his forward-thinking leadership, uh, but those numbers are startling, and we need to analyze that data. We need to figure out why are we losing so many officers and what do we need to do as a community to make sure that doesn't happen going forward, especially With annexation on the
2: horizon,
3: can you just explain
4: quickly what happens now? Because I know you're sitting in or observing some of these discussions now with the FOP or the police union,
3: right? And that is uh, that is new as well, because normally in a collective bargaining agreement, um, we are represented. Council is represented by our staff attorney. And this year, council decided that uh, having a member of the council, since we do ratify the agreement, would be uh, a good um, initiative. And so I'm very, very happy to have that assignment. Uh, It has started, and so I am not allowed to discuss the particulars. It is a back and forth agreement that happens, but I feel very fortunate to be in the room where that is happening right now. And uh, I'm feeling Optimistic that because of the leadership that many of us on the council have shown in bringing to the public's attention Bloomington, we have a problem, that those negotiations will go quite satisfactorily. That is my hope.
1: Let me ask uh, any of you three uh, council members. I know we're able to, Bloomington is able to provide these uh, bonuses through some federal money, but adding salaries is a different. Ball game altogether i mean adding five thousand dollars in base salary to every sworn police officer i would think is going to be a little bit of a challenge for uh, a balanced budget going forward how how do you propose you know doing that I'm, I'm not suggesting that it's not necessary i think it is necessary but how do you do that without cutting other
5: things well if i may um Jim here, and I'll I'll jump on that uh, just to start. The way I see this, and I don't intend to be oversimplistic, um, but the um, the negotiations, uh, I think um, our current contract goes through the end of 2022. So whatever negotiated um, outcomes come out of this, there's time for us to incorporate that into future budgeting and, and revenue uses. Um, and again, not from an overly simplistic viewpoint, which I hope it's not, I liken it to um, your own checking account in your house. Um, You have a a finite amount of revenue resources, and you're going to have expenses. So when one expense kind of, you know, needs more of those revenues, then you adjust and you do what's best for your family. Um, I see this the same way with the city. Um, but we have time to, to make those adjustments um, and, and share the values with what we believe to be strong here in Bloomington. Um, I will add, and um, Bob knows me well enough to know that I pretty much don't lack for an opinion on anything under the purview of Bloomington City Council. Um, and I have served previously on the Board of Public Safety um, Right now, I am the chair of the council's public safety committee, and there is a community advisory on public safety um, commission that is operating, um, hopefully to offer some recommendations um, in the future on, on how we see and view and operate in policing um, and overall public safety. And we also have the future of policing task force, um, which is a community driven uh, task force group of folks that's kind of looking at some of the similar things as far as recommendations with policing. So um, there's time for us. And with the city's involvement and and the administration's discussion and what comes out of the FOP negotiations, um, I think we're in a good position to kind of meet some of the needs we think the
3: city needs.
1: When we think about public safety, you know, we think about police officers, but we also think about firefighters, if we're doing, um, if we're going to be doing this to help fund the police department, is there going to be a similar reckoning within the fire department?
5: Um, and if that's, that's, if that's directed if at me, I'll, that's I'll just, for any,
1: that's for anybody. <laughs>
5: that's okay. And I'll let um, somebody else jump, but I'll um, very briefly say that uh, our negotiations with the BFD, Bloomington Fire Department, um, are intact. Currently, and at some point, there will be another contract negotiation. Um, so, I, I think community policing has been at the forefront of the discussion of public safety. Um, but I would, I feel strongly in saying that the overall view of public safety, including Bloomington Fire Department, has not been lost on myself or my council colleagues. Um, we'll talk later. You'll hear talk later about facilities for BFD. Um, we need new buildings, new fire stations, um, some other uh, capital things. So we don't want to neglect that, but that's that's part of it. You're absolutely correct, Bob. All
1: right. If anybody has a question out there for, about the city budget, and I'll, I'll let I'll let Sue jump in here in a minute. But if you have a question, uh, you can send them to us at news at indiana dot org. You can also Follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition and send us questions there. Go ahead, Sue.
4: Thank you. Um, Just to follow up on on Jim's comments, I think um, one of the things all of us spend a good deal of time with constituents. Many of us hold constituent meetings. We meet individually and so forth. And I think several of of us have sensed something of a back to basics um, call from those we represent. Um, and I think public safety is one of the core things we do. It's what municipal. It's part of what municipal government does. And every budget needs to do three things. It needs to maintain our basic services. So public safety, streets, sanitation, and so forth. It needs to respond to a critical acute issue and fend off the closest alligators, so to speak. Uh, and then it needs to look to our aspirations and goals. And this year was all about balancing those three. Um, I think the attention um, that our constituents are giving I think will will be mirrored by the attention the city is giving um, to services like public safety are are very good the very good work done by public works here in town um, so I think that's gonna be a theme that we see carry through budgets going forward
2: uh, may I May I offer a little bit about public safety too? If I absolutely, I absolutely, mayor, appreciate it. Um, I just want to make a couple points. I think uh, uh, one, at the high level, um, we should be incredibly proud of the public safety that we have in the city of Bloomington. Um, there are maybe a dozen and a half police departments in the state that are nationally accredited. It's called the CALEA is the National Accrediting Body. And our police department is one of those, which means they meet uh, some national standards that assure uh, a lot of uh, basics, if you will. Um, And there are only two fire departments in the state that are rated the highest in the insurance uh, service organization ratings, number one. Uh, And there is no city in Indiana except Bloomington that has both of those things. That is a nationally accredited police department and a top-ranked fire department. Uh, That is reflected in the fact that uh, generally our crime rates are going down. Uh, We do have issues for sure with guns and some some, uh, particular aspects. But overall, we see uh, very good progress in that. And uh, our fire department has an exemplary record. Of uh, life-saving interventions and no loss of life uh, in the last four years, so we're at the kind of at that fundamental level. We should be incredibly proud of the services that our police department and our fire department do, and I know everybody is. Uh, and the and the impact in the community. Now, the second point I just make is public safety is evolving, and um, um, you know there have been intense uh, and appropriate debates and considerations of how we do public safety in the in the country and in state and in the in the community. And those are good discussions and they do evolve. And we've got a very innovative police and fire departments. Um, and just some examples in the budget this year, the fire department is adding two community specialists that much of what the fire department does is not respond to fires, but respond to health and accidents and other situations. And we're Developing a new capacity to do that better. Indeed, work on chronic health issues. We have residents of of Bloomington who are repeat customers that need emergency care, and we're going to try to do a better job of responding to those those folks with a new kind of firefighter. Uh, And the police department has been indicated we, we now have three social workers. We're going to add four community service specialists because. A lot of what police departments are asked to do these days does not necessarily need a sworn officer. We absolutely need sworn officers, and we have the best trained, best sworn officers in the state. But we're continuing to evolve because some of the work that the police department has been asked to do can be done by other types of folks, and we're building that capacity. So it's really a, it's a very interwoven public safety approach there are different views on city council about different emphases on these things, and 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 that's very healthy. Uh, as mayor, I'm trying to balance all of those things, and I'm I'm very proud of the budgets uh, advancing that forward. It will require sustainable funding, and that you referenced that in your question because the ARPA funding is very useful now, the federal funding, but it's one-time money, so we do need to look at. Uh, more sustainable uh, funding for this that I think is going to be on the, on the agenda for next year, probably. Susan?
3: Yes, if I could just respond, because the mayor is absolutely correct in bringing up the excellence of both the fire department and their new ranking, their ISO ranking and the Bloomington Police Department and their Calia certifications. But that seems to be part of our problem right now. We actually are having the issue of our officers, are, who are so well-trained and disciplined and experienced, they're being courted in a very competitive market by other communities who want those lateral hires. They want to bring in excellent police officers into their communities, and so we are ripe for the pickings, as it were, and so we're almost you know, a victim of our own outstanding um, police department. So that is why we are very much dependent on looking at not only salaries, but how we treat the professionalism of our Bloomington Police Department. One of my biggest objections with the whole issue of this year's balance for sworn officers versus the non-sworn officers is, I'm the first to support our our initiatives. I attended two out of three of the days of the national conference on police social work, very eye-opening and and, and we're leading the way um, and, and we can all be very proud of that. But right now, our program is still very new, and it's not yet got the bugs worked out of it. They really can only respond to about 5% of the calls, the social workers, the community resource officers. And so right now, as we are bleeding officers into a variety of reasons, retirement, they're leaving to go to other departments, they're leaving to go to other cities, there are a variety of reasons for the exodus. But we, I, in my mind, we need to prioritize the sworn officers at this time. We have a good start on the social work program. Proud of it. Yes, let's build on that. But I think we have some growing pains to work out first. So in terms of the funding, I would agree with Sue. This is a basic city service, policing, fire, infrastructure. And we've got to find the budget. We've got to find it in the budget to make sure we're doing right by our officers, so that we can retain them in addition to having a good recruiting message going forward.
1: One of the other key issues that uh, seemed to be a sticking point was about um, climate change and programs to, to address climate change. Um, Mayor Hamilton, you did mention several plans that are in place already. You mentioned the transportation plan, you mentioned the climate action plan and we also, I've talked about, you know, funding challenges going forward, but you have proposed or you're going to propose a couple of general obligation bonds to help cover those costs. Can you explain that?
2: Sure. And thanks for uh, thanks for bringing that up. Actually, the the uh, there were four council members. So, you know, as mayor, I, I deal with all nine council members and and uh, four council members who uh, early in July, uh, advanced uh, uh, an agenda that included a lot of uh, sustainability uh, that I think many folks agree with I agree with much of and I think many of folks on the call though none of those four council members is on this call so i, I would i would just say that um, you know I sometimes talk about our city as having two two really existential and critical challenges in front of us for the decade of the 20s the 2020s, and, and one is: Are we going to do our part uh, and, and, and uh, adjust our um, economy and our uh, uh, approach to make sure we, we solve, we not solve, that we respond to and address the climate emergency? It is real; it's affecting us. We see it in, in floods, and we see it in temperature. We're going to see that happen, and. And the economy is going to change, not just in our community, but around the world. Uh, and we need to be advancing that. So that's one challenge. And a, a second one is really trying to make sure that Bloomington is a place that includes everybody, that welcomes everybody from all walks of life. Uh, that means dealing with economic justice. It means dealing with housing. It means dealing with racial justice. It means uh, diversifying and continuing that. And, and one, of, one of the issues uh, is, is infrastructure. It's one of the basic things city does, and while we've done made a lot of progress in the last uh, five or six years, we've actually doubled our investment funding as a city overall. Um, as we look out uh, over the next several years, we, we do have infrastructure needs that we don't know how to meet yet uh, in terms of financing. So, uh, I think I hope I don't know. It will be up to the council, but I have committed to bring to the council uh, this notion of a of, expanding, enhancing our infrastructure investment. These are basic investments in the community with a $5 million parks bond and a $5 million general obligation bond that can, it's basically taking care of our, our our city and beautifying it and investing in the trails and the infrastructure, the built environment that we need to do. I hope they'll support it, but there'll be a lot of conversations between now and then, and uh, it'll be up to the council uh, next year to decide whether to do that. Quick, quick follow
1: up on that before uh, Sarah has a question Um, with these kinds of bonds. Will there be an effect on taxpayers?
2: There could be. Yes. I mean, uh, these would be general obligation bonds that could have a property tax impact. But let me just say you've heard me say it before. I always like to remind people because it shocks most people. Bloomington and Monroe County are a very low tax jurisdiction. Our property tax rate is the, is, is among the lowest, uh, of all the 20 cities, biggest cities in, in Indiana. Our, our, uh, income tax rate is the lowest of all of our surrounding counties. Uh, we are a very high aspiration, uh, community. We're, we're also a very low tax jurisdiction, and that's good. We don't want to tax more than we need to. But if we do decide these kind of investments are appropriate, it'll be up to the council to weigh that. And they will weigh it very carefully uh, and decide that next year. Eric, can you also can you talk about what this new
4: position within the Economic and Sustainability Department will do? That was to me. Yes, please.
2: Sure. Um, yes, there there was uh, apart from the public safety debate, and again, I, I would I would kind of remember out of 170 million dollars, we were talking about probably a million dollars of of different views on this and there's so much good that i think we all agree on one of the issues was do we need more uh, personnel to work on sustainability and um, uh, i had advanced a number of new investments in sustainability and members of the council were some members uh, were very interested in increasing personnel i'll tell you this a little secret on the radio when the council offers a new position in city government i often Should just say yes. I mean, sometimes we have debates about that. Uh, We often advance uh, increases, and sometimes they're contentious, sometimes not. Uh, And this this new position will really supplement the the director of sustainability, Lauren Clemens, who's doing a great job in the economic sustainability department. It will add a position to supplement our work. We do have a lot of plans. We have hundreds of goals. We have big challenges, and this will help us advance that inside government. Now, just I'll just make one final point, which is, even if the city government did everything we could do on climate, we are only a very small piece of the puzzle. And it's very important to me too that I've uh, advanced and want to advance a community-based process to really work with institutions, c- companies, universities, uh, nonprofits, healthcare. Uh, and residences and businesses in the real estate industry to really look at these changes. And I've put on the table an idea that we would help staff up that kind of effort too, hoping we could get a match from uh, other entities because it, it cannot be done only in city government. It's really going to take a community-wide effort. Is that your uh, green ribbon panel? You got it. That's what we've called it out of the box. I don't know if it'll end up being called that, but we, we really need a community, in my view, a a serious community collaborative forum where we talk about how are we going to change our our, uh, energy usage as a community, our greenhouse gas. We now have the first ever greenhouse gas inventory. How are we going to address that as we need to? And that is not a city government conversation. That is a community wide conversation.
1: Sue, I know you have some comments you want to follow up on.
4: Sure. I wanted to um, circle back to your question to John regarding the geo bonds, the general obligation bonds um, and how that would affect taxpayers. One of the um, questions that my colleagues I think are always relying on me to ask or, or can expect me to ask is about debt. Um, I've often shared debt makes me a little nervous. Um, And one of the, the questions posed in our meeting this past Wednesday um, was regarding a debt per capita, which is a measure, one of one a benchmark of sorts for how much debt a city carries on. So per citizen, how much debt would we be taking on? And our controller Jeff Underwood, who does excellent work, um, shared that with the geo bonds incorporated, our debt per capita would be at about nineteen hundred dollars. Per taxpayer. Um, again, that's not what a taxpayer would pay. That's not how that works, but it's a measure of that debt level. Compare that to, for example, Carmel with a debt per capital level of eight, 18000 So, So 18000 to nineteen hundred. you know, we're still comparing pretty favorably. Uh, so I think the discussion on bonds is going to be an interesting one, and I think they could be a powerful tool um, not just for responding to, to the demands we face every day as a government, but also doing some of the aspirational work uh, that we want to do.
1: If you have questions or comments about the Bloomington city budget, you can send them to news at indianapublicmedia.org. You can also send them to us on Twitter at noon edition. We have four guests with us today, Mayor John Hamilton and three city council members, Susan Sandberg, Sue Scambellari, and Jim Sims. President Jim Sims, I wanted to ask you. You've you've said that uh, you know this isn't a a perfect budget, but it's it's a good budget, and you're happy that you got it through. I mean, are there some things that that um, you wish would have been in there that you just couldn't get this time?
5: Well, I think um, if you um, ask any council member, there's always other things that we wish were there that um, isn't there. Um, But overall, I think, um, as the mayor mentioned earlier, uh, the first thing, the cost of not approving this budget would have been a forfeiture of over a million dollars and some levy increases um, moving forward, which is totally unsustainable. Um, And I'm not giving that as a reason to just rubber stamp a budget and pass it on. Um, But I think that was a a critical issue uh, with me. Um, But as far as initiatives and plans, um, you may have heard the mayor mention his different buckets. Um, and those include, um, some equity issues, um, housing issues. And when we say housing, we mean affordable housing. And I also mean housing that's affordable. Um, to me, they're, they're different, um, housing that's affordable, such as workforce housing, you know, some more middle-class affordable housing and, uh, the affordable housing is based on your PMIs and, and these sorts of things to help our less fortunate community. Um, but there is a lot in this budget that will sustain those initiatives and, and flesh out many of those initiatives as we move forward um, to, to just make Bloomington a better community. Um, I'm also comfortable that you try some things, you plan some things, you also have the ability that if in fact they don't pan out the way you thought, um, you can make some adjustments moving forward. Um, But I think this budget reflects, now not in totality, but I think it reflects a good part of what this community is expecting us as local government leaders um, to provide.
1: Jim, if I can follow up on that, and, and this could be to you or the other council members or the, the mayor is always free to comment on anything I ask as well, but uh, talked about equity issues and and talked about, you know, affordable housing is a has been a big issue in this community for decades. It just seems to be the um, intensity of the issue has accelerated over the last few years because they're just, there seems to be less and less housing that certain groups in our community can afford. What's this budget do to, to address that or to help with that?
5: Well, I'll, I'll just get started um, briefly. The first thing I want to say is when we use the term equity, that is a small word that encompasses a much, much uh, area of responsibility and concern. Um, depending on who you talk with, if you say equity, then do we want to talk about racial equity? Do we want to talk about income equity? Um, uh, Some of our, um, uh, those around the poverty level, Um, and those of us that work with United Way and those organizations, we understand all that. Um, What is fair, what's equitable for even our middle-class people with regard to childcare um, situations? Um, So I think that encompasses a lot, and I think this budget um, reflects many of those needs. Um, that may become more robust in the future, um, as we um, again have some give and take. Um, but I think it, it, it pretty much covers at least the start where we're headed in this community.
1: Sue, Susan, sure, I will yeah, jump I,
4: in here. I, oh, go ahead, Susan. go ahead, Sue. <laughs> okay, um, yeah, I would I would mention too that the responding to to the issue of housing is so multidimensional and multi layered, um, but I think the city is also involved in ways people forget about sometimes Um, together with the redevelopment commission for the city. I think um, we have very strategically acquired some properties in recent years, not the hospital property probably gets the most press, um, but there were also parcels on South Walnut and affordable housing is a key element of each of those projects. Um, So I think that there are, there are on the ground frontline and urgent, acute responses, things that we provide, for example, through Jack Hopkins to um, respond to the needs of those experiencing homelessness. And yet there are also kind of larger scope pictures that look at our housing supply in Bloomington overall that the city supports. So uh, again, everything is a balancing act with budgets. Um, And I think responding to housing is is a good response to housing is gonna depend on our attending to all of that continuum. So Susan, I interrupted you, go ahead.
3: No, thank you, Sue. Um, Complex does not begin to describe the whole issue of housing affordability. And a lot of that, of course, depends on your income levels. So there's the cost of housing, uh, which is going up. I think we all need to analyze why are housing costs going up? Is it the raw materials? Is it the inability to get the uh, the banking to, to fund projects? But also it's wages. And the city of Bloomington does not control wages other than our own personnel, our own human resources ability to pay our own workers. But we do need to take a look at working with our partners in the Chamber of Commerce and BEDC and all the different partners who are working on employment opportunities in the area and making sure that there are the kind of jobs here that pay the kind of wages so that people can afford uh, the housing here in Bloomington, which, of course, we all realize is some of the highest in the state for a variety of complex reasons. But um, housing affordability does also require subsidy, which sometimes is hard to get in this day and age. Um, I know ver- for a while we were very excited about CDFIs, uh, those community development financial institutions that could perhaps help with the cost of, of building and, and getting people into homes. I'm, I'm a big believer that home ownership is not getting as much attention as our rental properties. And so I would love to see more and more efforts toward helping people with their down payments, helping people find um, housing, which, of course, in the long run is much less expensive than being a perpetual renter. So uh, so many things. And I know the city of Wilmington does its best to partner with as many people as we can in trying to solve this problem. But it is it's a difficult one. That's for sure.
2: If I if I might just add, I think this budget is is very important in advancing housing, which is of course an issue I've been talking about a long time, and many of us I know care about. Um, just to offer a couple a couple angles to that, um, we've actually and 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 the council will be getting a report from John Zodi, the director of housing and neighborhood development, um, this coming week. I think, uh, given some of this data we give, uh, we've had about forty six hundred new. Housing units uh, built in the last five plus years. Um, that's a, that's, Im- that's important. Uh, nearly a quarter of them have been uh, income protected or cost protected. That is affordable in a way that they're not just market priced units and long term affordable that we want to keep that momentum going. Um, the budget itself does uh, invest in home ownership. Uh, supports uh, in new ways that we've never done before. I'm really glad about that. The budget has major investments with the Housing and Security Working Group, which is a wonderful collaborative set of providers and funders in the housing world to, uh, to put millions of dollars into that effort to advance the causes. Um, CDFI-Friendly Bloomington, as Council Member Sandberg mentioned, has brought more than $25 million of new money into the community to support affordable housing. And, and as uh, Council Member mentioned, um, with some of those new areas of development, the budget also supports a, a nonprofit housing developer to be a strong partner with the city. In addition to Habitat, which works closely with us, uh, Summit Hill is a, is a part of the housing authority, uh, and they're going to be uh, empowered and advanced to actually do some of the nonprofit affordable housing development that this city needs. Um, and I'll just finally mention, you know, we don't often enough uh, think about the housing authority, which houses thousands of Bloomingtonians every night uh, in, in publicly supported housing. They do an outstanding job. They're top ranked in their field, uh, and they're now doing a, a multimillion dollar, tens of millions of dollars upgrade of all the public housing uh, that we own in the city over the next several years, uh, and the budget will help move that forward too. So it is a complicated problem. Um, we're expensive. A lot of people want to live in Bloomington. Uh, costs are high, uh, but there's a really uh, excellent work and this budget advances it well to move that forward.
1: We only have about 10, less than 10 minutes to go. So if anybody has a question, you can still send it to news at org or at noon edition. Um, Mayor Hamilton, you could... St- continue to to talk about the budget in this um this way the hospital december 5th the hospital is moving from um second street to its new location that means your property the city's property will be vacated then what's in the budget for that
2: hospital site next year what can we expect to see thanks yeah that is a that is a once in a century kind of opportunity for a city um, you know, we appreciate that IU Health negotiated with us several years back to sell us 24 acres. Redevelopment Commission uh, purchased those. Those acres uh, will be vacated. As you said, the hospital will move. There's a a fair amount of work that has to happen after they, after they move the patients and the services to the half a billion dollar complex on the northeast side. Uh, but ultimately, we will be taking control of that property. And we're already As you you know, we had an intensive community-based design process to develop a master plan for that. The budget specifically does include uh, some new resources for project management. Um, This is a complicated, very complicated and and long-term project. And we wanted to put in the budget uh, some money to help support project management uh, for that project. We are doing that now and we're gonna have to up, up, uh, up that game a little bit. It is a huge opportunity for hundreds of people to live uh, in great locations, in great new uh, places, to restitch that to the neighborhoods, to the north and south and west and east, right on the B line. Um, it's very exciting. That's a, that's a decade-long project, at least, um, and we're, we're making down payments. Now, there's also infrastructure investment, uh, kind of streets and roads, uh, sidewalks, uh, greenways, public enhancements to the Building and Trades Park, for example, is in the budget uh, for next year to begin that. But it's a it's got a lot of different pieces and a lot of different departments that touch it. Uh, and it's going to be an exciting process. And this budget helps make sure we keep moving forward on that. Sue Scambler, you, you're very involved with redevelopment. Can you
1: comment on that?
4: Sure. Um, again, I, I, I think... The response is is just as Jonathan just as we've talked about very multidimensional. Um, the hospital site, it, it, no kidding, once in a century, um, we're we're not going to have the opportunity to redevelop that intact city space again um, for a long, long time. So, um, but I, I think what what impresses me or what I'm I'm pleased with and grateful with and bloom, grateful for in Bloomington um, is that when it comes to affordable housing. We don't approach it from from the perspective of, well, let's just build it over there, whatever over there might be. Um, We try to bake it in to projects that are already going on. Um, So, for example, when the Trades District and our certified tech park were being developed, um, Beeline Heights was front and center on that project. And so we now have those living units right there um near a developing area which is what we want um, the new properties coming in on south walnut i can't off the top of my head remember the name of the apartments that are coming in overlooking switchyard park um, but that's on the horizon as well so i think um, bloomington's approach to doing just that is particularly helpful and i think that distinguishes us in some ways
1: are there things in the budget, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, the Trades District. Are there things in the budget specifically targeted for the Trades District next year?
2: Look, I would be, I'm really proud. Uh, the mill is kind of an anchor, of course, of the Trades District, and they've, they, they're they they working on some fantastic projects that are funded through the American Rescue Plan Act, One Time Money. For example, they have a program that is helping Returning residents, people who've been in the criminal justice system, uh, access uh, startup and, and business opportunities. It's just it's an amazing program and story that I'm really proud that this community is is, is part of. Um, they there also are we're, we're seeing um, new investments come in. Most of what will happen at the Trades District is not kind of direct city budget supported. Uh, but those kind of jobs programs that I just mentioned are there's also a Code School, which is helping non-traditional uh, folks, in particular women, people of color, access the new tech economy. With Code School, that's been a wonderful experience. That's that is subsidized by the city uh, and others. Um, most of the real estate investments at the administration building and the and the uh, Kiln building, and we got a new a new tech center coming in with federal support. Most of that is not based in the city budget, but kind of outside and alongside the city budget. All
1: right, we have less than two minutes to go. So Susan sandberg and Jim Sims, I'm going to give you two the last word. What should we be looking at um, for the next year? You know, based on this budget, what's what's the most exciting thing to you, Susan? Let's start with you.
3: Well. Um- I think we would be remiss in not talking about the impact of COVID on all communities, but certainly ours. Um, We're grateful for the money that's coming in through ARPA and CARES funding. We hope there will be more uh, programs from the federal government to help in that economic recovery. Uh, But I, you know, I have concerns about people in the hospitality industry, jobs, how we're going to have to retool and, and grow in the face of some of the lost jobs and as people get adjusted to Zooms and, and everything else, we're, we're looking at an a, at a, at a era of change. And so that's what I'm most looking forward to is how we adapt and how we improve going forward in a, in a different world.
1: All right, Jim Sims, last word from you. About, you. got about 45 seconds.
5: Thank you, and I'll go quickly. Um, it is pretty clear that um, people expect, and we believe we are local government, are leaders in this community, Um, But I want everyone to understand that we cannot do everything. And what I'm looking most forward to is two terms, partnerships and collaborations, um, to continue those to make us a better community. Um, As an example, with the hospital reuse and that property, then we had the hospital reuse task force group that have been instrumental in in already planning and, and making some gains there. Um, In the Trades District, we have the mill, the Redevelopment Commission, and the Bloomington Economic Development Commission working together. Um, The mayor mentioned the Green Ribbon Panel, which is a a group of community stakeholders that help us look at environmental and climate change issues. So I think partnerships and collaborations is what I'm most excited about and looking to see how we can all get together and um, solve some of our issues, make this a better city to live in. Thank
1: Thank you. you. Thank you, Jim Sims, our city council president. And thank you to Sue Scambolari, Susan Sandberg, both city council members, and Mayor John Hamilton. For my co-host, Sarah Whitmire, producers Holden Abshear and Benta Boutier, and John Bailey, our engineer, I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening to Noon Edition.
0: Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville. Fiber Internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. And from Integrity First Insurance, provider of Erie Insurance, for all your auto, home, life, and business insurance needs. More information at 812-269-8897 or Integrity First Insurance Services,